Good afternoon. It is one o'clock. I'm Jacqueline LaBelle in downtown London. We have mostly cloudy skies, a few flurries here and there. Minus eight degrees, feeling like minus 15 with the wind chill. The provincial government is reshaping the health care system. Christine Elliott announced this morning that the province will merge 20 health agencies into one super agency. 980 CFPL's Jake Jeffrey has the details. Health Minister Christine Elliott announced that a new agency called Ontario Health will consolidate local health integration networks, Cancer Care Ontario, eHealth Ontario, and several other agencies. Elliott says the services that health teams would help patients across include primary care, hospitals, home and community care, palliative care, residential long-term care, and mental health and addiction services. She says right now patients are experiencing frequent gaps in care. Too much time and attention is spent on maintaining a siloed and fragmented system. And far too many people believe it is the patient's or the family's job to navigate this complicated system. Elliot did not say how many jobs would be impacted and did not provide a specific timeline on consolidation, only to say that the work would start in the spring. Elliot will be on with Craig Needles on this show tomorrow morning, just after 9 o'clock. Jake Jeffrey, 980 CFPL. A two-week-old scandal dogging the federal cabinet could be laid to rest within days or inflamed by testimony from former Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has waived solicitor-client privilege and cabinet confidentiality. Wilson-Raybould is expected to speak to a parliamentary committee as early as tomorrow. It's alleged she was pressured by the Prime Minister's office to negotiate a remediation agreement with Quebec engineering giant SNC-Lavalin rather than pursue a criminal prosecution for bribery and fraud. Meanwhile, a shareholder is trying to launch a $75 million class action lawsuit against uh, SNC-Lavalin Group. The proposed class action filed in Ontario Superior Court alleges the company failed to disclose soon enough that federal prosecutors declined to invite it to negotiate a remediation agreement. The suit says the head of the Federal Prosecution Service told SNC on September 4th that she would proceed with fraud and corruption charges, but shareholders were not informed until October 10th when the share price dropped nearly 14 percent. Liberal cabinet ministers expressed delight this morning over securing a win in a Quebec riding formerly held by Tom Mulcair, while the NDP breathed the collective sigh of relief over their leader's by-election win. Tourism Minister Melanie Jolie had this to say about the NDP's future in Quebec. In the past, um, there were many, many, uh, many Quebecers that were supportive of the NDP. What we saw in 2015, it was the, there was a clear decrease in the interest of Quebecers towards the NDP. And what we saw last night, it was basically the end of the interest of Quebecers towards the NDP. The by-election in Outremont, won by Liberal Rachel Bendayan, was sparked by former NDP leader Tom Mulcair's departure as an MP, a CT held since 2007. The Trudeau government's Canada Child Benefit is getting the credit for lifting more children out of poverty. Statistics Canada says 278,000 fewer children were living below the poverty line in 2017, the first full year of the benefit compared to 2015 when the Liberals first took office. Overall, 9.5% of Canadians were living below the poverty line in 2017, down from 10.6 in 2016. A hearing for a Toronto police officer involved in the 2016 arrest of serial killer Bruce MacArthur has been put over until April. The prosecution indicated uh, Sergeant Paul Goche has an unspecified illness. The disciplinary charges against Goche related to, to alleged failures in dealing with the man who said MacArthur tried to strangle him. Goche did not appear for the hearing. You're listening to 980 CFPL.
So not too long ago, we heard the term super agency. I don't know about you, but if that's coming out of a comic book, Marvel movie, no problem. You want to talk about super agencies? Talk about them from that angle all you want. Yes, it's a super agency. It will fight villains worldwide. All of the things that are creeping up from the sewers that the villains wearing capes or the superheroes wearing capes can push back down. All that stuff. You want to do that? You go right ahead. You talk super agency all you want. Because, really, super agency makes you think of certain things. Right? Or maybe... want to picture the premier standing in a big light in front of one of those themes or the health minister standing in another light with her arms outstretched saying yes as another one of those themes plays but the more i read into this the more i don't mind this the more things maybe just maybe and you know what you have to help me out because if you listen to this show you know that i will be naive before I'm skeptical sometimes. And I need a little bit of help. I need to be steered because I'll be shown something and I'm going to take it at face value at first. And then I'm going to be able to look at it and I'm going to start to dissect it. But if somebody tells me this is a delicious apple pie, I have no doubt in my mind that that is a delicious apple pie until I dig my fork into it, put it into my mouth and taste carrots. I have no reason to disbelieve anybody. So is that what I'm doing here? Am I really giving too much of the benefit of the doubt? Because what you want in government is you want somebody to finally go in and say, you know, there's a lot of bureaucratic waste here. There's a lot that could be done with people's time that doesn't involve them sitting at a desk. We've got frontline needs. We have needs that actually deal directly with patients. And is it too much for me to think that maybe, just maybe, that's what's being done here? That an agency that doesn't do away with the lens, but does kind of put them in a different position, perhaps. That maybe an agency that looks at frontline care and not so much at what is happening in boardrooms where we can meet and talk about all the wonderful things happening around the world. Maybe that's what is taking place here. Am I naive to think that? We'll get into that in just a moment because we are going to talk in just a minute or two with Dr. Doris Grinspun because I wanted to kind of start with frontline. And I can't think of any more frontline than nurses. So what exactly does Dr. Grinspun see in this? Because, yes, she will take this from a nursing perspective, but she's been involved in the healthcare field long enough that she can look at this in its entirety as well. And if she's concerned about some things, I'm concerned about some things. If she's happy about some things, I have reason to believe that we should have optimism here. So we'll talk with her in just a couple of minutes, and then we'll get your thoughts as well. This show today is going to go in all kinds of different directions. Yesterday, we did talk about the keto diet, and not long after we got off the air, I got 
contacted by someone saying, hey, I live not the keto diet, the keto lifestyle. Want to know about it? And I said, sure. And that's what we're going to do just after 2 o'clock. We will find out more about the keto lifestyle. We've got Knights tickets to give away. We do have the Knights game for you tonight. This is a big one. The Knights take on the Guelph Storm at Budweiser Gardens. We have Monster Truck, the band, in studio in about a half hour from now. And remember the video that we played yesterday, if you were listening to London Live, about Mason, the four-year-old hockey player? His dad had been watching Mason out on the ice and started to wonder, I wonder what he's saying. Because he's chattering away about stuff. So he mic'd him up, put a microphone on him, and the results have been fantastic. Mason's dad, Jeremy, is going to join us on the show. So all kinds of things to do. But I do want to start with health. And the thing about this is we're starting to break this down very slowly. You can't just have somebody say, ta-da, here's our new super agency. And let's give the Ontario government credit. I don't know that that's the way they presented it at all. Uh, That it takes a little while to figure out how this is going to work and how everything will play out and whether or not there will be things like perhaps job loss. Is this to save money? I don't want to believe that it is, but a lot of times that's the way things end up working. What if it could be good and save money? Is that even a thing? Can we have that? Don't know. What we do know is that we can get some insight into this from Dr. Doris Grinspun, the CEO of the Ontario Registered Nurses Association. Dr. Grinspun joins us now on London Live. Dr. Grinspun, we know the Ontario government seems very excited about today's announcement. Do you share their excitement? Actually, we do share the excitement. Um, We have been asking since 2012, quite frankly, to do changes that will create more integration at the level of patient encounter or people encounters with the health system. So we have been asking to anchor the system on primary care. We have been asking more linkages between primary care, hospital care, home care, mental health addictions, etc. We have been asking that the care coordinators that are located in the LINs now, 4,500 RNs, okay, that they ought not to be in uh, in an office at the LINs because despite the fact that they try to do at best to do the work that they need to do, they are really handcuffed by not being inserted in the primary care with interprofessional teams, knowing the patients a lot better and being able to both coordinate their care, for example, the transition between hospital care and home care, as well as navigate this very complex system of ours. So I think people will feel less loss when these Ontario health teams start to form at the local level and people will have a more seamless experience, Ontarians, a more seamless experience between the transitions between your nurse practitioner or your family doctor in primary care and your need to go or not go to a hospital and then the need to have or not have home care, etc. Similarly with long-term care, when people need to transition, if they need to transition ever to long-term care homes. So those have been two major issues. The, I guess, the, the primary meeting point where a potential patient talks with someone and says, here's what's wrong with me. And then you also focus in on long-term care and the idea that, that you do like what is being proposed in terms of improvements for both. Yes, yes, absolutely. So the, the, the 
key improvement is more integrated, seamless health system. So if you are a person in the community that um, uh, needs to keep well, first of all, let's not only treat illness, right, that someone in primary care, you can go and see a dietitian, you can go and see a nurse that can give you some excellent, you know, education and tips, um, let's say your nurse practitioner or your RN or your doctor finds out that your high, pleasure, high blood pressure is a bit high before any medications. There are things that you can try out that they can, again, give you some education. Uh, if you, for example, have issues with anxiety or low-level depression, that they can right away treat that there, do the first screening there, and then right away refer you versus now that people are waiting for years and years. I mean, children and adolescents, we know that there is a lot of pressure in schools. They have nowhere to turn. Sometimes they're months and months waiting for treatment versus in primary care they could get the first you know, access to treatment. And the same is when people need to then navigate the system from primary care if they need a surgery or when they had the surgery to receive home care services, right? Right now, some people are waiting for home care. Home care doesn't get there. Or they have several agencies coming to their home. Just picture if that was more coordinated by care coordinators being in primary care where they know best the patients, right, the, the population, if they could coordinate according to people's needs a lot better and help them navigate the system. We're talking with Dr. Doris Grinspun, Chief Executive Officer of the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. A lot of what has been said by the Ontario government claims to be targeting frontline services, and that's why we wanted to get some thoughts from Dr. Grinspun on this. Weren't the LINs supposed to do a lot of what is being proposed here, Dr. Grinspun? So that is such a brilliant question because you may remember that when the community care access centers existed, we were the ones that actually put a report out called Enhancing Community Care in Ontario uh, that called for the dissolution of the community care access centers and then they created the LINs. But when we said that, we said the care coordinators that are in the community care access centers ought to be located in primary care. Instead, what the LINs did is they took the, at that time was 3,500, now it's 4,500 RNs, and they put them in offices at the LINs. And so while they are doing excellent work, as excellent as they can, they are limited in what they can do because they are not with the populations that they serve the most and they are not close enough to primary care, right? They are not inserted, located within the health system. So the minister... I have spoken with her several times. They're very committed to making, in, in, you know, in a staggered way, um, that transition to primary care teams, of course, respecting their compensation, of course, respecting their benefits, right? So the issue is not to lower their compensation, it's to enable them to do a much, much higher system-level um, service for patients as well as the direct service to patients. Finally, there have been thoughts that some of this is going to help to cut costs, but when you help cut costs, sometimes it means jobs are affected. What's your sense in terms of the effect on workers based on yeah, what you've so, seen? So, 
this is something I have conversed with the minister. First of all, we have been assured that this is nothing to do with the care coordinators. They will be transitioned in full with their compensation and their benefits um, protected. And second, this has nothing to do with frontline RNs, uh, nurse practitioners. If anything, we need more of them. We are the lowest RN per population. The minister is well aware. We would like the first home care visit to be always an RN because then that person can triage better. We would like nurse practitioners to actually be able to do point of care testing. That will save money to the system. So what we understand where there can be some uh, job losses is not there, but it's in the amalgamation of the major agencies. You know, Health Quality Ontario, Cancer Care Ontario, eHealth Ontario, uh, and the LINS, of course, um, that will be absorbed by this new Ontario Health Agency, right? Uh, and I think that some of those organizations, quite frankly, have mushroomed beyond any expectations. So I think there will need to be a review of what's needed. Let me tell you this. People will find work. If those are some middle managers or even senior level managers, there is plenty of the system that needs their expertise. So I don't think people will stay without a job. They may, they may need to change a bit their job. And we all need the expertise that they have for the system, and we all will benefit. In fact, I have three positions open. I will welcome people to apply right away, whether it's on policy or best practices. So people will find work, right? Um, there is no doubt in my mind about that. And, and I hope, and the minister said today, that they are not intending to take away any savings. What they want is reallocate it to patient care. That's where the issue of more RNs, uh, we are the lowest RN per population. Uh, 10,000 positions, just so you know, RN positions have been kept in the closet of hospitals. They are not posted and they are not filled. They are not even posted. 10,000 positions, 10,000 vacancies that are not posted. We need them posted right away. Dr. Grinspun, thank you so much for your reaction to this today. Thank you so much. Dr. Doris Grinspun, CEO of the Ontario Registered Nurses Association. So like I said, I'm always a little naive at the beginning, and I don't like to make decisions right away. I like to look at stuff before I make decisions. She seems positive. And even to hear her say things like some of the organizations, perhaps the Lins, have mushroomed, that maybe there are directions that could be done in a different way that give us a better system? Am I naive to think that that's what's being done here? Because you're going to believe one of two things. You're going to believe that this system is being overhauled, as the Ontario government has spelled it out, to save money. This is a province that needs to save money. And in other times, we have seen people come in basically with chainsaws and have at it at Things that are under provincial control, health care is a pretty easy one to hack away at. So is that what's happening here? Or do you have a sense that maybe this is okay? That maybe this is just a government that has been in power now, has taken a look at health care, maybe started from day one saying, all right, let's, let's tackle health care here because there's got to be ways that we can make this system run more efficiently. And our health care system runs well. There are improvements that can be made, and if you're paying attention, that's great. 
Because if you're getting away from, well, that's the way we've always done it, I'm all for it. How do you see this? Is this simply saving money? Or do you believe that this is being done, and it may save money, but being done in order to give us a better system in Ontario? How jaded are you feeling today about the work the Ontario government is doing? Jaded at all? Not so much. Let's find out. Let's open the phones. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Is this all about saving money? Or is this something that is going to, in your mind, give us a better system? That's what's being promised. 519-643-2222. Email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. Back with more in a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Email from Brad on the changes to health care. Brad says, you said maybe the government is trying to save money and fix the system at the same time. It concerns me when governments attempt to do both at the same time. I'm inclined to believe there is more cost savings than streamlining going on here or system fixing overall. Well, we'll wait to see. 519-643-2222. Do you believe... That the government is looking to basically take the health care system and is looking to fix it, looking to make those changes that have been called on, have been talked about, that give us a better system? Or is this just cost savings? 519-643-2222. Keith, you are up first on this. Um, yeah, I have a hard time with faith and politicians, but Christine Elliott... If there's any of them that have been on this file for many, many years, it's her. And uh, I believe uh, that she's going to streamline it and try to put the cost savings back in. That was the Ford's promise. Ford's given the file to the best woman he has for cabinet on this. And, uh, yeah, I believe it's uh, the best shot we got. Yeah, see, I, I feel naive in thinking that way. So, Keith, thanks for that, because I thought I was being too naive. When you've got somebody who has been around a particular portfolio for a while, who has seen the ins and outs, who's seen it work even under different government control, I like that. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I don't have a lot of faith in politicians, but Christine Elliott's got the file. So I, don't, I think if there's anybody that can do it, it's her. Thanks. Keith, thanks for the call. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. Another email that has come in from Sandy. Sandy says, I just hope it does work in the end. I hope that we're not adding in more bureaucratic red tape by streamlining things. And I also hope that in the other way, we are not taking away people's hard-earned money basically by saying, you two do the same jobs, pick one, the other one will be looking for work. Okay, well, I mean, we may see a little of that. We asked Dr. Doris Grinspun about that not too long ago when she was on London Live. This is about 10 minutes ago, just in case you missed it. You can always catch the podcast later in the day. You can find that Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite shows. However... Dr. Grinspun had pointed out, okay, if there is going to be job loss, maybe it comes in the amalgamation of the Lins with cancer care or some of the other areas that are going to be kind of placed under a similar umbrella. Maybe that's where that does happen. So you're not going to see you know, zero job loss in this. I think we'd all be naive to believe that. But overall, 
Do we see improvements to the system? That's what you want. You want someone who's taken the time to go through and say, you know, this could be working better. This could be working better. And Dr. Grinspun had pointed that out, that there are people working at the Linz who could be doing more of a frontline job. Why would we not want more frontline? That's the way to have a great health care system, isn't it? Having people actually right near the patients. What's wrong? Let's make that work. Let's, let's fix that. Let's, let's get to what the concern is. Let's get to what the problem is. So that in itself makes sense. We'll continue to break this down as people continue to absorb it. And then you've also got to watch it in action. And just because it's announced does not mean everything is in action yet. Far from it. That's still to come. Next up, we've got news with Jacqueline LaBelle. And then we'll talk music. Monster Truck, due to join us in studio. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. There is a strange story out today. I'm still scratching my head over it. It involves a man who decides that he and his wife would save money by retiring at a Holiday Inn. So they had two choices, basically. They would go to a nursing home, which he added up to be $188 per day. Or they could go and make use of a senior discount and stay in a Holiday Inn for $59.23 a night. So I've done the math on this. The $59.23 per night turns out to $1,776 a month. That's in a 30-day month. That's only four times. But... $1,776. So, yes, that is a savings if you are to go with the $5,640 it would cost at whatever nursing home he's talking about. And he contends that the Holiday Inn has free breakfast. What? Why wouldn't you just then stay in an apartment? You would have less rent at a Holiday Inn, I guess... They do your laundry, but, sir, that's an extra charge. That's a pretty expensive laundry, actually. So, and you'd you'd have to eat out some more. So, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does laundry cost at a hotel? I'm thinking with tip, a load is about, what, 20 bucks? It's got to be. Got to be. So... Two a week, let's let's call that let's let's do some math on this, because I don't understand why this is even a story. That'd be about $160 in laundry costs a month. And then even with seniors' meals, let's say that you're still spending about at least fifty dollars a day on food, maybe more like seventy-five. Let's call it seventy-five a day on food. That free breakfast, that might not go a long way. Little bowl of oatmeal, really? Uh, so 75 times those 30 days, that's 2200 All of a sudden, your $1,700 is now getting closer to $5,000. we are at 4000 plus. And the seniors' home is actually going to give you pretty good care. You're going to get three meals. All of your laundry will be done. There are care workers there to help you out. So I don't know what kind of accounting this guy thinks he's doing, but I think he might want to try a different calculator in order to make this work right. I don't think living at a Holiday Inn is going to get you what you need 
in retirement, is it? Nothing against Holiday Inn. They're great, but it's not a place that you're going to retire. Really? At least you don't have to replace the roof. We are going to take a quick break in just a few minutes. Here's what's still coming on the show. We are going to talk about the keto lifestyle. Yesterday at about this time, if you were listening to London Live, we talked with Dr. Heather Thomas about the keto diet because we keep seeing it everywhere. It's all over social media. And what it wants to do is get your organs to go into ketosis so you start to burn fat. Well, Dr. Thomas was great. She outlined kind of every little bit of the keto diet, what it can do, how some people feel, how others feel. Some feel great. Some don't necessarily feel great. There are concerns in the scientific community about it. Well, we're going to talk with Khadija Halaru after news in about 25 minutes, and we're going to talk about the keto lifestyle because she's living it. And she'll tell us what the plate of food looks like. She'll tell us what this is doing. She's very passionate about the keto lifestyle. So that is coming up. We are also going to talk with Mason's dad. You may know Mason from such hockey videos as six minutes of the four-year-old skating around on the ice in his Timbits Toronto Maple Leafs flavored uniform going through practice and his dad decided to put a microphone on him we'll talk with his dad and very soon we're going to be joined in studio by monster truck they are in town they are a band that really shows that rock and roll is not finished these guys are not r&b these guys are not hip-hop these guys use guitars and it'll be interesting to see how that is coming across because let's face it there's a lot of talk that rock and roll is dead i don't know whether i believe that i mean people still own cds and they will still keep it alive it's kind of like anyone who says you die twice when you actually die and the last time someone speaks your name you've heard that before rock and roll is being kept very alive right now very alive and as long as you keep something kind of simmering there's a chance that that flame will ignite again. And in a way, you take a look at some of the concerts and some of the bands and some of the fans that are flocking to them. I think we'll see a revival, don't you? Monster Truck will join us in studio very soon. This is London Live. It is a Tuesday. Knights and Guelph Storm tonight. We have Knights tickets to give away in just a little bit that could see you get to that game. It starts at 7 o'clock at Budweiser Gardens. Even if you don't win tickets, you may still be able to find yourself a pair of tickets. Why is this a big one? Well, because the London Knights and the Guelph Storm are 1-2 in the Midwest Division. They are also part of a top four in the Western Conference that very likely will make up the second round of the playoffs, and it becomes flip a four-sided coin. London, Sault Ste. Marie, Saginaw, Guelph, they're all great, and there's no guarantee anybody's coming out of that second round because of that. So we will hear from a number of people heading into that game coming up tonight as we get you set for the Knights in the Storm. Pre-game show starts at 6.30. Let's take a quick break. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. It is not snowing anymore. Snowing, not snowing, snowing, not snowing. That's the day that it has been in London, Ontario so far. And we've got more snow coming, according to John Wilson. We'll keep tabs on that. We've got more important things to talk about right now.
Jeremy Weiderman right there. And that right there is John Harvey. Monster Truck in London tonight. Joining us right now is Jeremy himself. Jeremy, how are things? Oh, pretty good, man. It's uh, It's been a little bit of a shaky trek across the country, but we figured it out, and uh, we're just getting ready to pull into London now. Okay, now shaky because of all of the weather patterns that we've seen kind of flowing through Canada? Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of van trouble, a little bit of trailer trouble, just the general things that happen when you drive across the, the country doing a rock and roll tour. Okay, you've got to tell us where you were when you ran into van trouble, because if you're in the middle of a city, no problem. If you are somewhere between Regina and Brandon, I could see that being problematic. We had a little bit of everything, man. We, we, had, the, we had the trailer brake stop working in Revelstoke right before the most dangerous mountain pass in Canada. Um, and, and that caused a bit of a problem trying to get into Calgary. We ended up having to put the, the trailer with all the gear in it on a flatbed and get it towed all the way to the venue, which was a bit of uh, an adventure for uh, one of our crew members and, and kind of the people at the show waiting for their gear to arrive so we could start the show. And then we just had a smattering of other issues. Uh, we had the, one of the trailer suspension uh, leaf springs blow up in Sault Ste. Marie and then again had to put the trailer on a flatbed truck to get it into uh, Toronto area, so it, it's been it's been a little bit of a it's been a bit smorgasbord of, of problems. What is it like to be a band not knowing if your gear is going to arrive, and all of a sudden you're looking at, at a clock and it's saying, "Yeah, we're we're getting close here." Well, it was more than close because we ended up going on the stage about an hour after the fact, um, and the, you know our fan base is so good and so supportive that they you know I went on the mic about an hour when we were supposed to go on stage and kind of gave an announcement about what was going on and. Um, I'd say like 80-90% of the, the people there, you know, uh, stuck around, and we had a great show, even though it was on a weekday. Um, and it's, it, I think it's something that would have stressed me out a lot more, you know, six, seven years ago. But due to all the various, you know, hiccups we've had over the years, you know, even in, over in Europe and the U.K. and, and border crossings and, and gear breakage and, and uh, everything in between, you kind of get used to this kind of stuff and roll with the punches. We're talking with Jeremy Waterman, guitarist with Monster Truck, Monster Truck in London tonight. Let's talk Junos for a second because we've got the Junos coming here. Everybody's getting excited about this. They take place the award ceremony on March 17th. You guys won a Juno Award back in 2013 for Breakthrough Group of the Year. Was that one of those things that you kind of had an inkling, yeah, this is going to happen, or did that come as a complete shock? Complete shock. We uh, at the end of the day, that was the same year that uh, Walk Off the Earth had come out with their uh, you know five people playing one guitar video that went like it's like the ultimate viral video that was basically the number one most watched piece of online content for that year. So we were certain that Walk Off the Earth was going to win because they, by the purest definition of breakthrough group of the year, having a worldwide viral sensation seemed to me that it fit the description better than us kind of jumping on the rock scene in Canada. But um, with the way the voting is set up and, and, and the kind of support that we have, uh, you know, locally, when I say locally, I mean in Canada, um, you know, we just, we didn't realize, we didn't realize, you know, the way, you know, um, that kind of clout can, can spread and that the way that the support can work in a situation like that for an award. So, uh, yeah, it was a major shock. And, and you know, we kind of had a, had a weekend on our hands after that. 
We are looking at tonight being a big night in London for you, but if you look at uh, all the other things that you guys seem to get yourselves involved in, my son was downstairs on the weekend with a couple of buddies, and I think they were playing NHL 19. I think I, I think that's what it was, and there was a Monster Truck song on it. You guys are on, is it NHL 19? No, uh, I think it's like NHL 12, 13, 14, 15, not 15. <laughs> 16 it was like it was like it was like four or five of them so it could have been any of those games i'm not sure which one they were playing but i did see a track of yours that's that's really neat how does that even happen um well the first way we got on them the first time was was a, a push by our record label to get it included um we were kind of in the perfect demographic for uh, a release like that because the hockey game is actually the smallest sports release they do all year when you compare it to the football, the soccer, the basketball games. So their budget isn't as massive. So they can't get like Foo Fighters and ACDC and all the bands that like you would typically see on a soundtrack like that. And they tend to go after the more mid mid level bands. Um, and they, you know, it's a hockey game. So they're going after rock and, and metal and, and heavier songs. So we kind of just fit the bill perfectly and got added on then. And then since then we've had goal songs. So we were the Calgary Flames goal songs for many years. We were the Maple Leafs goal song for two years. And they always want to represent the, the sport as authentically as possible. And to do that, they've got to get the right arena music. And, and we, you know, we've kind of instilled ourselves as Canada's um, premier hockey band. So they almost didn't have a choice at that point where they're, if they're using the authentic music, they have to get Monster Truck. We're talking with Jeremy Waterman, guitarist with Monster Truck. The idea that guitars can still exist in music, it's uh, its something where there is every once in a while somebody wanting to proclaim rock and roll is dead. You guys prove it's not. Do you care about people who say things like that? No, because it's more of a North American mentality. And I think it's kind of a short-sighted, narrow-minded kind of look at what's going on musically in the world. It certainly has taken kind of a, a secondary or a third um, you know, backseat to, you know, what's going on in the electronic pop and hip-hop world. But in the end of the day, you go to a place like Germany or, or the United Kingdom, and rock, people aren't talking about that as much there. It's still sometimes on the on the tip of the tongue for, for certain people or, or looking at things a certain way. But um, you get into some of these places, you know, overseas, and this isn't this isn't a conversation that you have over there. You know, there's still rock metal um, bands, you know, playing big tours, big festivals, and you know, to to large crowds who want to hear them. So it's it's kind of a it's more of a, a like I said, a North American mentality that that is that is perpetuated a little bit. Uh, you know, that, that that isn't as accurate when you look at it, at the at the scene globally. As a band, you go through so many different settings. You go from playing small clubs to playing arenas, hopefully one day, and you guys are, are at that, playing in front of those massive crowds. Is is there an appreciation for both? Is there one you like better than the other? I like the kind of show that we're playing tonight in London, probably is, is my, you know, if I had to pick, you know, a headlining show in a smaller to mid-sized venue is is got to be the most fun. Um, but you know, you can't put anything against a festival slot or an arena show. You know, we don't do our own arena shows, obviously, but when we're opening for an arena band, you know, there's something unique and, and there's a pro, uh, to every con and every situation. So, um, we enjoy it all. We've gotten kind of comfortable and good at doing all of them, but if I had to pick one, you know, I'd say a show like tonight in London has got to be my favorite.
Monster Truck at London Music Hall tonight, and they had an album come out just in September, and so if if you want to check out that album or any of their other albums, certainly get yourself to know the band, because they have been fantastic for years now. One last thing, you guys you guys recorded an album, even you know getting away from the, the digital sound, but you didn't even use digital recording equipment. Didn't you record an album analog? No, I wish we did. That's a situation that we've been involved with a few times, but it's so cost and time prohibitive that we've never been able to actually track to tape. We've had um, one or two albums, I think it's two records, Curiosity and the Brownie P got um, bounced down to analog tape to add that little thumpy compression that ta- the analog tape can add to a, to a mix. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't when you do it after the fact. Um, but it's not something that we've been able to do from the outset of the of the of the album process, and uh, it's something that we'd like to do. But again, the the cost of analog tape and the amount of time and the and the logistics of making it happen are are so prohibitive to a band at our level that it's not something that we've been able to do just yet. Well, it is great having you here, Jeremy. It's been great talking with you. All the best and continued success going forward. Thanks so much for the support, and uh, yeah, like I said, we're really excited to be playing in London tonight, and we'll see everyone there. Take care. All right, thank you. That is Jeremy Waterman, guitarist with Monster Truck. So, yeah, that whole rock and roll is dead thing, as Jeremy says, go to Germany, go to the U.K. Nobody talks like that. It's more of a, a North American thing. And anymore, if you were to grab a 20-something person and say, can I see the music that you listen to? You're going to have everything from Ain't No Mountain High Enough all the way to the latest from Drake. There is such a wide spectrum because it's all available now. It's not, well, I'm a country fan, I don't listen to anything else. You'll have that ability to, to say, no, that's just a good song. <laughs> that's what we've got to get to. Let's take a break. We've got news coming up very soon. We'll let you know what is ahead on London Live. We are going to be giving away Knights tickets on the show today. Knights and Guelph Storm tonight. They will be playing at Budweiser Gardens at 7 o'clock. But we've got the Keto Lifestyle coming up. The man who made one of the most popular videos out there right now. And a whole lot more. London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. It is a great Tuesday. We did get a nice report yesterday. Did you hear what the weather is supposed to do? I don't know whether you can make this claim, but I believe it was the Weather Network that said a couple of weeks or maybe just a little bit of March where we have winter, and then all of a sudden it'll be like flipping a switch, and we'll have nice summer temperatures. Could that happen? Could we have that? Could we order some of that, please? Is there anybody we have to call? Send an email. Coming up after the news, which happens with Jacqueline LaBelle in about two minutes from now, we'll be talking about the keto lifestyle with somebody who's been living it for about eight months. What does it do to you? What do you get to eat? We'll ask those questions. And we are also going to talk with Jeremy Rupke, whose viral video of his four-year-old hockey-playing son, Mason, who he mic'd up at practice, is everywhere. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Have you looked at the date recently? Have you seen what year we're in? 2019. If you were here during the 80s, certainly the 70s, even before the 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, did you not think that by 2019 we'd have flying cars? Like, seriously. 
2019. That was so far away. At least by 2020. Come on. Flying cars. Can't be that hard. Saves on the wear and tear on the road. We could get places really fast. If we organized it right, we'd have fewer collisions. Because you just have the streams of flying cars. Like the Jetsons. The Jetsons told us. What year was the Jetsons set in? It's probably like 3,000. So I'm probably way off. If you know what year the Jetsons was set in, help me out. Shoot me a quick email. Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Because we were conditioned to believe it was going to happen. Back to the future. That told us we would have flying cars. 2020, come on. Think of what Think of what all the things we've done. And they're not one of them? Well, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. What's this? This says Uber Technologies Incorporated has created a division focused on aviation, and they have a an aerial ride-hailing option that they plan to test in both Los Angeles and Dallas in the year 2020. So anybody who was around in the 70s or 80s thinking, yeah, by 2020, we're going to have flying cars, looks like we might. We'll at least have tests. Now, as much as they say flying cars, people who have seen these things have said, yeah, it's more like a flying helicopter. And we already have those. But this would be one of those vehicles that would be a shared aircraft, not just a shared mode of transportation, shared aircraft, and they would look at a ride-hailing model to make it work. Hey, can you uh, get a taxi or an Uber? Yeah, yeah, I probably could, but how about we get the Uber copter or whatever it is that they call it? They'd have a way better name than that. How about we get ourselves a flying car to get there tonight? Isn't that like more? Yeah, but it's a flying car. Seriously. They apparently have figured it out at Uber to the point that they're going to have a test case. Who wants to be the first person to hop into that? That's what I want to see. Who wants to be the first person to order an Uber copter or an Uber flying car and hope that the person that is controlling it, or maybe it's maybe it's autonomous, I don't know, Lands it in your front yard. Yeah, we're still working out the bugs. Sorry about your TV. We'll we'll work on that. We're just we're getting it to land in the right place at the right time. But 2020, they say they'll be testing it in Los Angeles or Dallas. So you have two choices. Buy yourself a ticket to LA or Dallas in 2020, or don't. Stay completely away until all of those bugs and such things are worked out, which probably explains why we don't have a lot of flying cars at the moment. You know, if you have an autonomous vehicle that bumps into something, eh. if you have a flying vehicle that bumps into something, eh, it's a big difference. We have something else that we're going to be talking about. We were discussing it yesterday, and it deals with maybe even going back in time a little bit. We live life in packaging right now. We put out our recycle bins yesterday. We have four. Is that excessive? Is that because you would look and you would go, oh, look, we're able to fill four bins worth of recycling. But my wife, Kirsta, looked at me and said, I don't know if that's good. Are we eating too much packaged stuff? Is that why we have so much recycling? One was a big box that I don't even know what came in the big box, but is, is four too much? I'm not sure. 
What we do know is that there are all kinds of different ways that we're always told to eat. Yesterday, we did some exploring on the keto diet, which seems to be talked about every, oh, are you keto? Or you, you should go keto. You hear that and you think, well, I don't know what that is. So we had a discussion with a nutritionist from the Middlesex London Health Unit. Today, we get an opportunity to talk with someone who has experienced the keto diet and so far is very much in favor of the keto diet or keto lifestyle. Joining us on London Live right now is Khadija Haliru, who will discuss everything there is to know about going keto. Khadija, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fascinated to be able to speak with you yesterday. Just in case you missed it, we were talking about the keto diet because I was wondering why I kept seeing it everywhere. What's it doing? So we were able to talk with Dr. Heather Thomas of the Middlesex London Health Unit, and we were able to find out kind of what it did in the body if you take away certain things. Uh, Dr. Thomas had said some people feel fantastic. Other people may not feel as fantastic. Some people may lose weight. We are able to talk right now with Khadija, and Khadija has been living a keto lifestyle for how long, would you say? I started living it strictly since the summer of 2018, and in that process, we've had a small group of us come together and actually just go for it. Um, For me, I have a fitness and nutrition background, so I've always been familiar with the different types of diets and how we kind of compare them with each other. Uh, for the first time, I kind of had that same reluctance that a lot of people had because for me, a diet was just a temporary thing. It would always fail and you would always go back in the vicious cycle. But for the keto diet, if we actually go back in history and even when we studied the keto diet, it's actually used to treat a lot of ailments right from the early 1920s when this diet was actually used to treat epileptic patients. Uh, We've seen it very successfully used in helping with uh, seizures and even kids with autism, and it's helping to reverse diabetes. So we, for the first time, have to take a a different look at this diet because the medical community is still torn between whether this is healthy, safe, or if this is just another fad. And we're here to say this is a lifestyle change that is here to stay because the more people understand it, the more you understand the scientific background of this, you'll understand why it works. And so whether you're on it for a short period of time or um, as a lifestyle change, it is a positive thing. Because like she said, the first thing you'll notice is to feel better on this diet. And I think for a lot of people, that is great. Because the first thing you don't feel on any diet is the feel great. It's like, oh gosh, the sacrifices, right? So here there's a lot of feel good, pains, you know, aches disappear. Uh, You start to feel your gut feels lighter. Um, things just start to happen. You start to feel more energetic because you're switching from burning uh, basically energy from calories that you get from carbs to burning energy from ketones that you burn from fat. So it's, it's an amazing transformation in the body where you're still getting the same sources of food. You're not just getting the extra sources that rush your insulin levels, like raise your blood sugar once you eat them. So we're talking the starches, We're talking pastas, breads, rice, um, so the potatoes, all those little things that we add to our diet that really help us um, increase the calorie count so that we burn it as energy. Uh, The difference is when you take on calories from carbs, we burn them and they crave sugar. Sugar craves sugar. So in the next four hours, you want to eat again and you want to eat again. And so we end up piling on so many calories 
that at the end of the day, we don't even have enough time to sleep 12 hours to burn them out. We don't have enough time to, to utilize all the calories from the foods we eat, so we store the rest as fat. Unfortunately, you can never, ever burn as many calories as you eat during the day because you're getting that source from, from sugars, right? Total transformation from how we think of regular diets. We're talking with Khadija Halaru, and we're talking about living the keto lifestyle, which Khadija does. You did mention that the science is still kind of out there. They're still figuring out whether this is good for the body long term. Does that bother you at all? No. The fact that the science is right now out there since the 1920s proving that it does work is what I'm saying the medical community needs to embrace. We have a huge amount of doctors right now who are embracing this and taking the scientific approach to explaining why it works, how it works. Unfortunately, like so many other things, there's always going to be a resistance because they think it's a temporary diet. This is not a diet. This is a lifestyle change because it's teaching you to understand how your body functions when it comes to burning calories. So we get calories from everything, from foods, from fats, from carbs, but when you take them from carbs, you load up faster than you can ever load up on fat. So what we do on the keto diet here is we're allowing you permission to add the good, healthy fats back to your diet. Because for 50 years, somehow, somewhere, we were made to think that the good stuff was bad for you. So we're told eggs are not good for you because it raises cholesterol levels. We're told butter is not healthy because, you know, you put on some weight. We're told, you know, not to have so much oil. Everything is low fat. We take all the fats out from the milk. And so what we've done is in the last 50 years, we've brought our foods to the point where they're just plain lean proteins and sugars we load our bodies with. So the fat that God has put into these things have been taken out, so there's no balance anymore. But we really have to be honest with ourselves. What is working? We don't see the TLC shows you were talking about anymore because every one of those people have successfully used the keto diet to, to lose weight. And they're all over Instagram. They're all over the world showcasing their success. But no, nobody's picking it up and, and you know, looking into this to say, wow. Well, that's kind of why we that's kind of why we started asking questions about it. So I appreciate your mm-hmm. perspective on it. We're talking with Khadija Halaru and the first keto fair, you mentioned people getting together, is happening in London, is it not? Yes, it is. We're having this keto celebration is what I call it. It's uh, on Sunday. It starts at 9 and ends at 6. Uh, we're focusing on the businesses that have come up to support our lifestyle because one of the first things you'll find is people ask, so what do I eat? Like, where do I get the stuff? Um, it, it can be daunting when someone is thinking about it. So I was excited, you know, to see Londoners take up on this trend. And we have uh, huge businesses popping up everywhere. So we're coming together to celebrate all of them. Uh, we have all over Ontario people interested in coming to visit to see this, and we're just really excited. It's the beginning of something new because the more education there is out there, uh, we've got speakers. Uh, we've got one of our main London speakers um, who's going to come talk about the connection of the brain to keto and why it works. We have um, another from Niagara Falls coming to tell us about how 14 years her son has lived seizure-free because of keto, and we have a research participant from the States actually joining us to tell us how the research studies that have been done by the um, NIH has some real telling results that we need to take a look at. So I'm excited to bring both speakers and vendors together to support each other. And and where is it happening? This is happening at Centennial Hall. 
and it's going to be open from for the whole day. So you can come and go and come and go. Go grab someone, bring them back in, and, and you know have fun just learning about keto. Okay, one last thing, Khadija, and that is if we were to look at your plate for dinner, what would it look like? Yeah. Oh, it would look like uh, 75% fat, 20% protein, and 5% carbs. And my carbs will only come from vegetables, and that's a strict keto person. You can start keto for just, say, 70% fat, 20% protein, and 10% carbs. But you still have to remember, we are tricking the body here from recognizing that you want to burn calories for energy. Instead, you want to burn fat for energy. So to trick your body, you've got to go cold turkey, say, three days, no carbs at all. And then your body will go, oh, my God, we need to start burning the bank we have here. And you've been storing fat your whole life, so there's so much fat in the body for it to start burning that once it gets into that gear, all you need to do is replace a little bit every day. So my plate will look like, say, a salmon with some stir-fried veggies and butter, and then maybe just have a cheesecake dessert that is sweetened with a sugar alternative or even nothing at all. Because when you have that switch from the sugars that come into your body, even your palate changes. You begin to enjoy and taste food properly. So it could be a steak mixed with veggies. It could be a mashed cauliflower you know, meal with loaded with butter. It could be eggs that you just kind of whisk in with cheesecake and make into pancakes with almond flour. <laughs> uh, remember, fats give us a lot of calories, so you don't need to eat as much. So a tablespoon of butter gives you about 600 calories. If you, if you take half a cup of olive oil, you get about 1,000 calories. So when you drip a little bit over salad even, you're adding some energy in there that you don't realize. And that's why the Mediterranean diet has just been an amazing one for us to, to watch because they don't eat as much and they don't put on weight as much, but they get a lot of calories from all the butters and the croissants and, and all the, the drizzle of the olive oil dressings, and we don't just get it. So we're just trying to do the right thing with the food guide in North America, but we're putting on weight and putting on weight. And we're saying, guys, come learn about the keto diet. Let's teach you how to switch that mentality around because it's still food. We're not asking you not to ever eat carbs again. It's just You've got to switch that body's mechanisms from burning calories to burning fat. And if you're overweight, you start to lose weight. If you don't feel good, you start to feel better. And you don't always have to use it to lose weight. You can actually maintain weight on keto. So there's so much to learn, and we look forward to seeing everyone just come around and join us. Khadija, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Mike. Khadija Halaru. So very passionate about the keto lifestyle, as she calls it. And they are having the first ever keto fair. Who knew? Coming up on Sunday in London. And that will be happening at Centennial Hall. So, I don't know. We're we're told eat this way, eat that way, don't eat this, make sure you eat this. You know, like I said, my wife and I turned to each other yesterday and she said, do we have too much stuff in the recycle bin? Does that say what we're eating? Is that what that is? We'll take a break on London Live. More to come in just a moment. We are still going to be in conversation with Jeremy Rupke. He's responsible for making the video that went very, very viral. You can find it on globalnews.ca. Simply search, in Google search, Mason Hockey and Global News. It'll pop up. Or I tweeted it out yesterday, and I'll, I'll make sure and kind of retweet that right now so that you can have a look at it. Mason's four years old, went out to hockey practice, and he's whipping around all over the place, and his dad thought, wonder what he's saying. So he found out, and this thing has taken off. And you know what? One of the reasons why it's 
important to highlight this video is it's not about hockey parents fighting. It's not about somebody complaining about how bad the hockey system is or, hey, we should be doing this differently or even a highlight reel. It's just somebody going out and enjoying themselves. And boy, is he enjoying himself playing hockey. Let's take a break. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Let's take a couple of minutes that we have right now and give you a chance to go and see the London Knights tonight at Budweiser Gardens. They are taking on the Guelph Storm in a massive game. These two teams are two of the top teams, not just in the Western Conference, but in the league. And a couple of Londoners come to town, and Isaac Radcliffe and Nick Suzuki. Guelph was here not too long ago, and the Knights beat them 6-1, so they weren't happy about that. You can be at the game right now. We have a simple skill-testing question. It is multiple choice, and we've got a pair of tickets to give away right now to the Knights and the Storm. 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. The question is this. Name the former London Knight who was traded at yesterday's deadline. I'm going to give you four names. Only one of them is a correct answer. So name the former London Knight who was traded at yesterday's trade deadline. Is it Josh Anderson, Cliff Poo, Victor Mete, or Mark Mathot? You can guess if you need to. Josh Anderson, Cliff Pooh, Victor Mete, or Mark Mathot. One of those players was traded at yesterday's NHL trade deadline. Do you know who that player was? Josh Anderson, Cliff Pooh, Victor Mete, and Mark Mathot. 519-643-2222. Ron, give this a shot. Oh, Ron, turn down your radio, please. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say that, Mark Mathot. Mark Mathot. Good guess, but... No, not Mark Mathot. Thanks for playing. 519-643-2222. So, we're down to Josh Anderson, Victor Mete, or Cliff Pooh. Jeremy, any idea? Cliff Pooh. Cliff Pooh, you are exactly right. He was traded from Carolina to Florida, and you are off to see his former team, the London Knights, against the Guelph Storm tonight. Awesome. Hang on, we'll get some information from you. 519-643-2222. We will have another pair of tickets to give away in just a little while. These two teams used to play such wild games against each other. I think we're going to see a few more of those as we continue toward the playoffs. Because Guelph loaded up this year. They made more trades than any team leading up to the OHL trade deadline. And after... Two years that saw them finish last and second last, and then a year that saw them kind of middle of the pack. They wanted to go for it, and that's exactly what Guelph is doing. The London Knights, they've added a couple of pieces here and there, Kevin Hancock being one. And one of the things that Jeremy may be able to see tonight is Kevin Hancock hitting 100 points or scoring his 50th goal. He's close. It would take a couple of points and a couple of goals to make it happen, but that's still a possibility for him. So some exciting things on the way. There are still tickets available to that game, 519-681-0800. You can drop by the Knights Armories or go online to LondonKnights.com. Here's something I'm wondering while we're talking about hockey for just a second, and before we're able to talk with Jeremy Rupke, who's made one of the most famous hockey videos out there. There's a story out of Long Island 
And it's about Islanders fans buying John Tavares jerseys and putting the name bar loser on the back or being all upset at John Tavares. I'm wondering if this is actually a story or if this is just one or two people making it seem like a story. Because the New York Islanders are in first place and anybody who is still upset at that needs more to do. You need to get outside. You need to go for a walk. You need to take up a hobby of some kind because that shouldn't be a deal. That shouldn't be anything that anybody's upset about right now. Your team's in first place. So if you see that story, see if you can figure out whether this is coming from a lot of people or just one or two. I'm willing to bet it's just one or two. And the next time John Tavares goes back into a game against the Islanders in New York, uh, we're going to see a different reaction. Eventually, eventually, you'll see them appreciate what he did for the Islanders. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Good afternoon. It is 2.30. I'm Jacqueline LaBelle in downtown London. We have mostly cloudy skies, a few flurries here and there, minus 7 degrees, minus 14 with the wind chill. Ontario's local and provincial health networks will be merged into one super agency as part of the government's plan to overhaul the system. Health Minister Christine Elliott made the announcement this morning hours before she's expected to table legislation to make the changes official. She will be on the Craig Needle Show here on 980 CFPL tomorrow morning at 9.05 to further discuss the overhaul. The plan will see the government create a new agency called Ontario Health. It will consist of all 14 of the province's local health integration networks, as well as other agencies like Cancer Care Ontario, eHealth Ontario, and the Trillium Gift of Life Network. The Commons Justice Committee is asking for former Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould to appear before it at 3.15 tomorrow afternoon. Wilson-Raybould has not yet confirmed that time. She'll be given the 30 minutes she's requested to give an opening statement before committee members start asking questions. The committee wants to know if she was pressured by the Prime Minister's office to negotiate a remediation agreement with SNC-Lavalin rather than pursue a criminal prosecution for bribery and fraud. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says he danced the night away to celebrate his by-election win in the B.C. riding of Burnaby South. This morning, he was calling on his party to make the most of the months leading up to the October election. But Finance Minister Bill Morneau, Tourism Minister Melanie Jolie and Infrastructure Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne are pointing to the Liberals' win in former NDP leader Tom Mulcair's Montreal riding as a sign the orange wave in Quebec is finished. Singh refutes that, saying the base the NDP built in Quebec is alive and well. New figures from Statistics Canada show fewer children were living in poverty in 2017, something it attributes to the Liberal government's signature child benefit. The Canada Child Benefit, introduced in mid-2016, replaced a previous system of tax credits and the universal child care benefit brought in by the Conservatives. Statistics Canada reports 278,000 fewer children were living below the poverty line in 2017, the first full year of the benefit, than in 2015 when the Liberals took office. You're listening to 980 CFPL. Okay, I got caught up after talking about flying cars, so let's finish that discussion right now because I got a lot of people to thank on this. Lyndon, Andy, Shane, Jude, Sonny, Matt, thank you all because they have let us know that the Jetsons took place in 2062. Uber is actually going to start demoing not a flying car, but a flying vehicle. It's more like a flying helicopter, but it would be a ride-sharing vehicle in Dallas and Los Angeles in 2020. And so I thought, well, when when did the Jetsons take place? You know, if we are 
42 years away from the Jetsons in 2020, and we're demoing flying vehicles that aren't big planes and little helicopters, something in between, something that would be a ride-sharing vehicle. Maybe we're on track to be the Jetsons. Maybe, just maybe, we're on track to be the Jetsons. Who wants to be George Jetson? I don't know. I'm not, uh, we have a lot of George Jetsons in this world. Uh, Jude also said, instead of Uber flying cars, why not have Uber drones that allow the pilot to fly us to our destination? That's not a bad idea. That would be safer, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm picturing a great big helicoptery type thing, enough to fit a bunch of people in it and get itself off the ground. It might be better if we just had this little drone pick us up and zip us away. You have this comfortable little seat. Be like a chairlift. Do you imagine? That would be great. Except, of course, in the winter in Canada. Because I don't know if you've ridden a chairlift in the winter in Canada when the wind is whipping and it's about minus 15. Yeah, that's that's not a time when you'd want to make use of an Uber drone. But I like that. Jude, let's... Let's see if we can get that going, huh? Who has about $6 billion? And then contacts in L.A. and Dallas who seem to be all for stuff like this that they could let us test it out. Would they let us test it in London, Ontario? There was talk of gondolas years ago. We didn't get the gondolas. Maybe we get the little tiny Uber pilot chairlift things that just whip us everywhere. I'm in. Coming up, we are going to be talking about a video that we actually played at this time yesterday because we are going to talk with the guy who made it but just in case you missed it just because this is fun this is a fun video mason the four-year-old hockey player at practice his dad jeremy decides to mic him up we're going to hear from jeremy in just a moment but if you missed hearing this yesterday here's a sample of mason playing hockey does zamboni come on is that Mason? Is the Zamboni coming on? Yeah, Zamboni will come on. Why? Am I a good scorer? Oh, yeah, I am. Okay, you garbage, garbage. One, two, 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 the question on everybody's mind. Are we going to go to Badonald's after? Yes. And you know what? Jeremy did a great job with subtitles, which don't work very well on radio. We don't have a lot of subtitles. Otherwise, who knows what I'd actually be saying. But the subtitles underneath, there was one segment of the video in which Mason says, I have to pee. And then <laughs> there's a subtitle that appears that says, no, he doesn't. That's the greatest trick in the book from a four-year-old. Four-year-olds get very wise very quickly. I need to do this when they really don't. They just don't want to be doing whatever it is they're doing now. Jeremy Rupke is next on London Live to talk about the making of the video and how it has gone over and how we can appreciate things that are not parents screaming at each other in little kids' sports. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We will talk with Jeremy Rupke in just a couple of minutes. Jeremy just delayed by a little bit. Uh, do want to pass on to you. We've got the Knights and the Guelph Storm tonight starting at 6.30 with the pregame show on 980 CFPL. Knights will be home tonight, but then not home at all this weekend. So if you are planning to get to a game, this is a good one to get to. 
because they'll be away Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as well. So this, in fact, is the third-to-last home game that the Knights are going to be playing. They're home Friday and Saturday of next weekend, but then that is it until playoffs. So an opportunity to get out to Budweiser Gardens on a Tuesday and watch some hockey before the snow is supposed to fly. Weather is supposed to get a little bit dicey overnight. John Wilson said the snow is supposed to begin at some point overnight, but as of right now, it's doing okay, at least in downtown London. On the baseball watch, as you see yesterday, Troy Tulowitzki hits a home run off Marcus Stroman. And after the game was asked about it and couldn't help but feel good because he contends that the Jays basically told him he could no longer play baseball. Maybe, you know, a little bit different in the way the words work, but that he he was no longer able to play at the level that they needed him to be. So they're now paying his salary or a good portion of it for him to be a member of the New York Yankees, and he steps up yesterday and hits a home run. Now, if you're a Jays fan, don't worry about that. I mean, they are moving toward a younger roster. They already have that heading into spring training. They've got a lot of bright spots on that roster. So this is just the way of doing business anymore. As disappointing as it might be, You have such small windows anymore in sports. That's why I loved what the Columbus Blue Jackets did leading up to the trade deadline this year. You've got two very good players who probably won't be with you. They don't want to be in Columbus for whatever reason. Columbus is great. It's a great city. No, it's not on the beach. No, it's not in New York. But it's a fantastic city. But they don't want to be there. Their names are Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. By all accounts, they're ready to become free agents. So Columbus could have traded them and could have received pretty good things back in return. Decided not to. Instead, they load up. And in a way, I think they're doing what the Toronto Raptors are doing with Kawhi Leonard. They are trying to get Bobrovsky and Panarin to appreciate what Columbus can do. Hey, look, we're putting guys around you. We're going to try and win this whole thing. The Raptors are doing the same thing with Kawhi Leonard, and then maybe they stay. This is an interesting point in sports where you are actually seriously kind of bowing down to certain players, saying, okay, you you want this? This is what we're going to do. We're going to show you what we have to offer, and if you don't like it, we're probably going to be completely screwed because a lot of the guys that Columbus acquired – are also set to become free agents. Adam McQuaid is one. So Matt Duchesne is another. So this this was not any kind of guarantee, but at least they're saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give it one shot. Maybe we win it, maybe we don't, but at least we're trying. At least we're in the game. So that at least I really, really found to be a solid decision by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Why not? Why not take a shot at this? Because the window is just that tiny. Building a dynasty? You've got to be the New England Patriots. You've got to be Bill Belichick to build a dynasty anymore. You can't build dynasties. We have one other pair of tickets to give away for you to go and see the London Knights and the Guelph Storm tonight. We just got these into our hands, so let's take them from our hands and hopefully put them in your hands. And we're going to make things very, very easy here 
Name a color on the London Knights uniform right now, 519-643-2222, because I want to make sure these are given away. Now, the only thing that we do ask is that you please be able to go to the game. 519-643-2222, name a color on the Knights uniform, and you will be off to the game tonight to see the London Knights and the Guelph Storm at Budweiser Gardens. Brandon, name me a Knights color. Green. Green is it. Well done. Fantastic. All right, you're off to see the Knights in the Storm. Thank you. (laughs) And you've already got somebody to go with you. So green, gold, black, white, off-white, all of those would have worked. Is off-white a color? Is white a color? I'm glad Brandon chose green because that's definitely a color. We'll have no problem from there. We'll take a quick break and come back to close out the show. If we can reach Jeremy Rupke, we're having a little bit of difficulty right now. We'll get him on at some point this week. But if we can do it, we'll talk with him about the hockey video gone completely viral featuring his four-year-old son, Mason. So that's either next or it's later this week. It's one of the two. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. you ever crashed a wedding? Like, seriously, actually crashed a wedding? We've had some very strange thefts recently. I don't know if you heard this morning on 980 CFPL News, but there was talk of the, the bingo players that were playing bingo and then all of a sudden had their jackets stolen. So, Jess Brady had a great line saying they didn't lose their shirts playing bingo. They did lose their jackets. Their jackets were stolen while they were playing bingo. That's just cheap. Don't do that. That's not very nice. But then there's this other strange theft that took place, I guess, on the weekend because there was a wedding that happened in Los Angeles, and there were 100 wedding guests, and you had a wedding taking place at a hotel, And there's a guy that's in a suit, and they've actually got video of this from a hotel camera. And this guy's kind of pacing around, back and forth. You know, a lot of things happen at weddings. You know what doesn't happen? Pacing. That's for the groom before the wedding. But after it's taken place, there's no pacing. Who's going to pace? This guy's pacing around. And then the video actually sees him go up to the table with all of the envelopes on it, and he's able to steal a whole bunch of cards, which likely had a whole lot of money in them. So he has stolen the wedding cards. Who, I guess it makes more sense than stealing bingo players' jackets, but seriously, in front of 100 guests, you're going to try and get away with this? And now, as much as, hey, this guy's been able to go home and he has whatever's contained in those envelopes... And what's the rule of thumb? You give the bride and groom the amount of money that it would cost you to attend the wedding. Isn't that what it is? So, you know, dinner and, I don't know, dancing. What does dancing cost these days? I don't know. I don't go to a lot of weddings. I don't even know what the proper amount is to give for a wedding. What is, it? is it up to 150 bucks now? Do you, do you drop 1000 in an envelope? I don't know. Ah, we want to make sure they can afford a down payment. Want to make sure they can buy the whole house. You invite 385 guests, 1000 bucks a pop, you've got a house. I don't think it's a 1000 But this guy's now on video. And so eventually, he's going to be caught. I don't think anybody's known him yet. Who's that guy? I don't know. He was a pacing guy. Remember him? He ate all the carrot cake. I didn't like that guy. 
He wasn't there long. He left. Yeah, he left with a whole bunch of envelopes filled with money. So we'll wait to see what happens to that guy. But I don't think he's in very good shape at all. And one of the other things that has popped up in the last little while is Spike Lee responding to Donald Trump. Here's another one of those things. Remember when we were talking about flying cars? Remember when when we lived in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and even the 2000s? Remember when we even lived in, you know, 2014 and everything was was kind of normal? You didn't have the president of the United States having some kind of social media battle with a guy who makes movies and sits courtside at Knicks games. I love what Spike Lee does, but seriously, we're, we're having a little battle over all of this. This, of course, goes to Spike Lee and his reaction to the or his his acceptance speech for best adapted screenplay, uh, Donald Trump called it a racist hit, and tweeted out, "Be nice if Spike Lee could read his notes, or better yet, not have to use notes at all when doing his racist hit on your president, who has done more for African Americans." And then he outlines criminal justice reform, lowest unemployment numbers in history, tax cuts, etc., than almost any other president. Well, Spike Lee was, of course, contacted by absolutely everybody. Hey, did you see what the president said? Hey, did you see what the president said? He finally decided to do an interview with Entertainment Weekly yesterday. And his response was, was, well, it's okie dokie, you know. They changed the narrative. They did the same thing with the African-American players who were kneeling, trying to make it into an anti-American thing, an anti-patriotic thing, and an anti-military thing. But no one is going for that. So that is Spike Lee's response to it. Uh, He says, let's be on the right side of history, make the moral choice between love and hate. Let's do the right thing. You knew I had to get that in there. Is that even an appropriate place to take shots at things? I don't know. Sure. I mean, it's an open public forum. That's the way we live. If you've got an open public forum, you know, we've got a talk radio show right now. You want to call up and say something? You want to ask something? You want to state something? Sure. You have the opportunity to do that. It could be refuted. You could refute anything that I say, but you have the opportunity to do that. That's... That's kind of the world we live in. I like that world. I like being able to have those discussions. I like people being able to make speeches that may make a difference. You know, the only danger you have is, and we got to this yesterday, when it does go too far. And I don't know how you divide that line. That's a gray area that you can't put restrictions on because... You do have celebrity, which gives you an opportunity to reach a lot of people, be heard by a lot of people. And Spike Lee certainly has that. But what did we talk about yesterday when we were looking at anti-vaxxers and the measles outbreaks that are going on right now? You know, the fact that measles was kept at bay and now you've got it popping up again, you've got to point to people that are not vaccinated against measles. Maybe I made a mistake with my own children, but if there was a vaccination that they could get, here's their arm. If there was a vaccination that was going to keep them from perhaps getting meningitis, remember the meningitis scare? Please stick that sharp thing into my child and make sure that they have protection against that. Was I making the wrong decision? I don't know. I don't think so. 
because we have eradicated so many different things. Smallpox is gone, and you don't want smallpox to come back. You do not want smallpox. It is a lethal, lethal disease. And we got that thing knocked right down. The only problem with smallpox is apparently the UN had a chance to wipe it out completely. So they knew where every store of the vac- or of the virus was because they had all kinds of samples that they had to test. They knew where every store was and they said, okay, we're going to get rid of these, right? And then the United States and Russia, this is long ago. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. But long ago said, you know, we're going to keep it. We're just going to hang on to this. And uh, yeah, we we may need it. So there is smallpox out there. But the problem becomes when you get celebrities that are able to say, don't do this. And you get a great big following of don't do this. But again, that's a gray area you really can't control. Because ultimately, it comes down to your own decision. Just because some celebrity stands up and says something doesn't mean you have to say, well, well, if they said it, well, that's that's the way we should all feel. Ultimately, becomes your choice. But that's the one thing that I think kind of goes haywire sometimes in being able to have a celebrity stand up and make it a major statement and get that big audience. And now, I don't know what the world of social media will hold for us, but when you look at social media celebrities and the power that they wield, uh, that's you know that that's just adding more to the pot, I suppose. Coming up, we have news with Jacqueline LaBelle. Matt Trevithick will be along. We've got John Wilson, who will inform us about what is coming our way in terms of another wintry system. John was hoping, as of yesterday, it was about 7 centimeters of snow. This morning he was saying about 12, so he'll have an update on that. We will also take a look at what's happening in the sports world. Knights and Guelph Storm tonight. These two are getting to know each other very well again. They're two of the top teams in the league yet again, and that just makes for good things to come in the sport of hockey in the OHL. London Live is brought to you by our good friends at Winmar, your restoration specialist. If you're looking at doing any renovations, remember, they also handle renovations as well. You can give them a call and see what they can help you out with. We have Jacqueline LaBelle and Matt Trevithick on the way next. Thanks to Matt McInnes for all of his help this afternoon on London Live. Thank you to all of our guests. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.